0: I know, what's this? It's Davis actually reviewing a video game again! You know those things you love reviewing but take forever to actually, you know, play? I know! We're pl- <laughs> uh, Okay, so today, if you've, you know, probably looked at the title, we're reviewing the video game Remnant from the Ashes. Um, and this thing got my attention, like, a year ago when it was released, and I was like, ooh, Dark Souls with third-person shooting? That's really bizarre, and I'm not sure it's gonna work. Which sounds exactly like the kind of thing I'm gonna try. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, this game is based on the, you know, constantly throw-yourself-at-impossible-boss fights, uh, pseudo-bonfires exploration builds base, world building, that kind of things. It's a Dark Souls clone, but except it's third-person shooter and meant to be played four-person co-op, which I was like, eh, I guess third-person shooter, but four-person co-op is like a weird experience for a very Dark Souls-esque story and world, because the Dark Souls world is all about, you know, the crushing, crushing, isolation, despair of a world that's slowly fading away into the echoes of time as its crumbling ruins once majestic slowly break apart as everyone is inevitably consumed by a cycle of decay and entropy. You know, the, the the very depressing kind of plots that don't work well when you have four people, like, tagging along with you. To be fair, they do shut cut out voice chat, so I guess that does help. Um, and I guess Dark Souls had companions too, but, like, it was still, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there, we'll get there. Okay, so, first up, um, Remnant's story. It's a Souls-like, so the story is kind of in the background and very metaphorical and I still need like four more playthroughs to piece it all together, or I need to go to like body video or someone. Um, but from what I understand, the world ended, you know, typical for dark souls, uh, you know, the typical plot, the world ended. And then, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I just really like dark souls plots. And I like, I like, uh, uh, I do like Remnant. For those of you who want to know, just like, or out of the bat, I do like it. I have some problems with the game, but I think the gameplay is pretty good. Uh, the design is meh, but it's mostly a good experience. I would recommend it. Especially if you can get four people to play all the way through four players in co-op. I would definitely recommend that, because it's a really good experience. Sounds like it'd be a really good experience. Uh, I mostly, for those of you who didn't want to know, um... I basically played this as a solo boss. So I got a few people to play with me every once in a while. Like, every once in a while, i turn my mode to public uh, and, you know, get some help, like, summoning a help over a boss. But I usually turn it to offline after that because I wanted to actually go through the world on my own. And I wanted to see how the gameplay stacked up in single player. Um, so, yeah. Now, on to the... Uh, yeah, so, going onward. So, in Remnant, uh, humanity apparently found these red crystals... That had supernatural abilities. Uh... The world ended... And they created these safe zones. And then there were... extra-dimensional invaders... Including this thing called... The Root... Which is basically just... Evil plant life... That was corrupting... And... You know... Zombifying people... That kind of thing... Uh... Some humans found that you could use the red crystals to traverse into the labyrinth, which could open doors to other realms, which are also under assault by various forces. All these people somehow, for some reason, want some ancient ancient artifact or heart or something like that. The Undying King and this lady in the swamp. They all, you know, want this thing. They're all arrayed against the root. Um, your character eventually faces down with a child in some kind of, like, advanced Oculus Rift device with Oct- Octopus' tentacles o- attached to it. Uh, in a nightmare sequence that he dragged you into, you kill him and then the root consumes him completely, and he might be the source of the root, and so you kill him, and the entire place that you final, you know, final area you went to crumbles around you, and you go off into a boat, and it ends really ambiguously because it's a Dark Souls game. What the heck were you expecting? Uh, <laughs> that's, 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 that's the MO of the Souls, like, you know? So, yeah, if you want to understand the plot, uh, good luck. You will need to go through all the audio logs and documents and all the item descriptions and everything. You will have to pick through this little cone to figure out more than a basic outline of what's going on. Uh, it is a bit more clear than other games. You have a few characters that talk about this place being built. You have very clear audio logs, like I said. You don't just pick it apart from item descriptions and character interactions. Um, there are a lot more characters, people hanging around the human shelter, uh, there are, you know, friendly NPCs in the overworld that do more than just give you, like, one basic line. So, I would say that, you know, a bit of a difference. So that's the story. Um, moving on from that, we have the gameplay. It's a third-person shooter, but it has some RPG elements, mostly using the trait system. You'll find traits by defeating bosses, or sometimes you'll find them around the world. Uh, you'll get trait points by leveling up, and... Your enemy's strength is dependent on your equipment strength. You'll, they'll still get stronger, but uh, they have a minimal level of strength. And then after you upgrade your equipment to a certain level, every time you upgrade your equipment, the enemy will get stronger. The third-person shooting, first up, is really good, actually. I, ha- I have to say, I'm usually not the best shot when it comes to these games. Uh, I think those controls are always just a little too... I can never get the settings right. But I don't know what Remnant it does, but the shooting was amazing. I loved it. Um, clear and responsive, I was able to easily hit headshots, I was, a uh, sniper class, so it's, uh, crit-based, you know, long range, I fire a bolt, and then I have to reload immediately, not, you know, assault rifle or anything like that. Um, getting on to the classes, it's sort of a Dark Souls style, so you start out as a class, but you can really build into any character, you get the armor and weapons of the starting classes, and it really doesn't even really have, like, the whole stat thing, so you can reset your stats too, so, um... It's very, like, your class literally just depends on your starting equipment for the most part. So, and they also give you a basic outline of the type of builds that you'll see in the game. <clears throat> so, there's the melee build. I know, in the third-person shooting game, let's just pick the melee build and turn this into actual Dark Souls with maces and swords and stuff. Uh, they're the build that are going to focus on getting a lot of vitality and a lot of endurance and, you know, heavy armor. And they're going to try and tank through everything, dealing damage and with melee attacks. Um... Then there are the cultists. They look at like mid-range stuff, like shotguns and assault rifles. And they're going to have, um, they also have some, you know, weapon modifications and abilities that allow them to like summon companions, like, you know, how, like zombie hounds and stuff like that to help them fight enemies. They also can use more spell-based, uh, they also use more like spell-based weapon mods to like fire, fire, you know, fire barrages or acid barrages, that kind of stuff. And then you have the sniper. Or, I mean, the hunter, it's, it's, it's a sniper class. You have a pistol, you have a rifle, you eventually get the sniper, you, you know, snipe people. You go for headshots and criticals, and uh, also for boss weak points, which is an interesting thing. Uh, the bosses in this game are actually pretty well made actually, uh, for the most part. For the most part. I have a big problem with that. Giant asterisk attached to that. Um, They're pretty inventive, most of them are anyway. A few of them are like, just like really big guy with some particle effects, but most of them are pretty interesting. They actually did something similar to the Moonlight Butterfly, which is pretty cool. And I think it works in this third person shooter a lot better than Dark Souls, where you have a lot more melee builds, because it's reasonable to assume that you're going to have even the, like, even the, um, melee focused style class is supposed to have some decent weapons on him, because you can't just fight everything with melee. So the fact that everybody does have ranged options meet, means that the, um, Moonlight Butterfly—it's flying off in the distance it's kind of nice. Although I kind of hate that boss because its main thing is after the first little bit of damage, it summons a clone that's behind on the other side of the platform. So you're on like a narrow platform—you can fall off. They're firing ranged and like melee attacks at you from like flying off in the distance, and then it summons something that's directly behind you. And it's one of those moments in the game where it's very clear this game was designed for four, pe- two to four people to be playing at all times. Um. And it brings me to a big problem with the game. The boss fights, while very well designed, are designed for multiplayer. I have to make this very clear. This is a game that clearly emphasizes the multiplayer experience over the single player experience. The single player experience isn't bad, but a lot of the boss fights are going to feel very cheap if you don't have other people to draw aggro and um, help you deal with like the multiple targets you're supposed to be simultaneously attacking. So, yeah. Uh, I do like their addition of the uh, weak spots that you can attack for extra damage. They're all some of them are a little vague, but I like that they're not too vague that you don't know where they are. I do have a problem that like not all the bosses seem to have weak points. I'm not like unhappy about that. I just wish it was more clearly explained because sometimes like I'd only find a weak point after like accidentally hitting that area, and once you did find it, it was kind of like oh, a neat trick, you know. <sighs> There's a good challenge, you know, risk and reward for going after the weak points, so I like that. Uh, In addition to that, they just have some fun bosses. You get to see, you know, a sort of land-based dragon. Oh, it's weak point is the fire stack underneath it. Uh, You get the two people, you know, the two Moonlight Butterfly-style things across the uh, bridge. You get the Electro Zombies, a zombie horde, which is pretty fun. You actually get to participate in a massive siege battle instead of one boss fight. Then you get, like, the dog. Uh, He's pretty cool. I did like his variation on attacks. Uh the enemies he drags in aren't ganky enough. It's one of the few fights I thought was really well balanced for single player. And then the finer enemy, the uh Nightmare Dreamer, which is a really inventive boss, and I kind of like it, but oh my, it needs to it's like one of those moments in a souls game where you're like, now that I know how this works, okay, it's really cool. But how are we supposed to figure out on our own? So, okay, so this the final boss's big thing, and spoiler alert for anyone who doesn't, you know, doesn't want to spoil, let's ahead of it. Um, is that he takes like no damage from your attack because you're like, okay, I'm flinking away at this, I'm gonna have to maybe upgrade my weapons more. No, uh, after the first few volleys, he's gonna, after you kill his original form, like the root will take over him and he'll basically take like no damage. So, after the first few attacks in that new form, he'll teleport into his nightmare realm. You have to kill normal enemies there for a little while. Now, eventually, you'll realize there's a portal, and once you leave, and this area will start hurting you the longer you're in it. So, you kill a few enemies and leave based on the number of enemies you'll kill your damage gets a multiplier. Then you'll have to plink away at his armor and then he'll expose himself. At that point, you want to hit the actual human part of him for, like, super critical damage. Um As a sniper, this actually worked really well for me, although I did have to... It is one of the few bosses I had to eventually just get somebody to come in public with me so they could draw aggro from it because trying to do it on my own was, like, banging my head against the wall and I had to try, like, 20 times. And I'm like, I just physically cannot do it because I die, either die in the Nightmare Realm or I don't get enough damage to kill him. Uh, I don't kill him on that first burst, so I just could not get to him, so eventually I was like, fine, game, you win. Uh, I feel less bad about calling for a backup in this game than when the Dark Souls game my first playthrough because, I mean, in Dark Souls, that's like, you know, heresy, like how dare you bring a companion or summon into this fight on your first try, that's for really your later playthroughs, so we want to hurry things along, but in this one, like, it's built for that. The game is tr- uh, truly built for multiplayer encounters. Uh there was also a really cool other boss. What it did was it was like this tree thing with like these glowing innards and the inside of it was where you want to hit. So you wanted to hit the inside of its body and it had like a kind of ribcage design. And after it got took enough damage, it would split in two. And then those two would split into four, and they would split into eight. And it was a really cool gank fight because it was a gank fight that got harder. It, the enemies grew as time went on. And when you learned what to go after, it's actually a pretty easy boss. I soloed it, even though it's like a lot of enemies, because when you know what you're looking for, it's easy to get critical damage. It's obvious where the critical spot is. Uh, there are easy ways to break things, like the healing thing. You you know target the two glowing ones with your pistol, take it out. Just fire a few shots. It doesn't matter. If you do damage. You just need to get the stagger them out of it. Um, if you if you you can rush them down with damage, it's not a problem as long as you get good. Uh, and I do get to like that. I do appreciate that. So, for the most part, I really like this game. Again, I have a problem with the fact that the levels are designed for multiplayer. But that's a minor complaint. The only big complaint I have is the level design. And it's just it's frustrating. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, this game is sort of based on Dark Souls. I know I've said that like five times now. But the thing I really like about Dark Souls levels is they're all really well designed. They're st- you know, static levels. They built these levels. They're well designed with... You know, nice encounters, set uh, set pieces, the items are distributed very effectively, and I really like that. I think Dark Souls is some of the best level design in the entirety of video games, and I think Bloodborne in particular, uh, it's my favorite Souls game. I will talk about it eventually, because I can talk about that for hours. Uh, <laughs> but I think the whole series is just an amazing level design. And when it comes to this game, there basically is no level design. Not really. Uh, the boss arenas and a few set pieces of it. See, the way, the way, as a, I'm guessing as a way to compensate for the multiplayer and prevent it from being samey, the levels are procedurally generated to a point. Basically, there are a set number of dungeons and one or two fixed things, and a few fixed things in each level. So they're all going to have an open area. They're all going to have this, these two open areas. They're going to have this doorway lock. They're going to have these, at least two dungeons, and they're going to have at least, you know, this number of bosses. And when you're going through the area, the save points are also fairly static-ish. You can kind of get where they are. But everything in between that is procedurally generated, and the items in the level are random. Now, to compensate for this, you can actually re-roll, like, mini dungeon versions of the levels, so you can, like, go to Earth again and look for new items that should have been there, but the problem is, you can just get bad rolls and not find anything good, and have that happen multiple times, like, I I did that multiple times, I just could not find the ring on any of the levels, and I, you know, rolled Earth three times and eventually found a ring, it's like, oh, here's a really cool ring that helps my build, but, like, I just didn't like replaying Earth with slightly different levels. I don't think the procedural level design works well for this. It'd be different if these were, like, late-game grind levels, like, hardcore grind stuff. I'm okay with that. I actually like the Chalice Dungeons and Bloodborne. I'm, like, one of the only Bloodborne players that does. But when it comes to the main game, I like to know that the story has been crafted to help me build my character in such a way that I can... Uh, was the way. If you built your character a certain way because you ran to some items, you would not build your you would not have been able to build that character that way if you had done it the other way. And if you actually liked that playstyle and would have leaned into it if all the items have been set, I think it's a little annoying that your build is heavily influenced by what you can find rather than uh, how you'd like to play. Like, for example, if I wanted to replay this game with a new character, I don't feel comfortable enough that I'd be able to choose a cultist and find all the stuff for a cultist. Um, one of the reasons I didn't have problems with in my first playthrough is because I actually found the sniper rifle in my first playthrough. I found it in Earth. Now, I re-rolled in Earth two more times after this with two more characters trying to see if I could find the sniper rifle again, and I couldn't. So it's not just a problem for... Uh, You know, it's like I chose me a sniper and I found the sniper again my first playthrough. But for the other two I attempted, I couldn't find the items I was looking for, and I think that's a real problem on replayability because a lot of times when you're replaying games like this, you want to play with new classes. Well, if you just keep rolling into the stuff for the other classes, it's gonna be really annoying. And yes, there are some items and traits that are preset, you know, attached to certain bosses. But there are also the problem with some of those bosses not always being around because the dungeons are semi-randomized. And that's the, one of the main problems. It's It doesn't go all in on the let's be a roguelike. It's like trying to be half roguelite or Diablo and half Dark Souls. Now, granted, the small weapons weapon number, which is actually a good thing in my my opinion. Bloodborne is something similar. And the fairly limited amount of traits and mods make it so that there aren't too many things you could roll into. Which is nice because it does help slightly lower that variation. If there were too many items, this would be a a nightmare. As it is, it's just a major problem I have with the game. I think it hurts replayability. When they were trying to help it. Because when it comes to the multiplayer experience of, you know, joining other people's games and uh, going through them, I think the multiplayer people are going to really enjoy this feature, because it means that they won't be going through the same levels they did, but they're the people that already have their builds made, and are just helping somebody out. They're not the new player trying to make a build that they thought would be cool, and not running into any of the items they need. So yeah, I don't think the I don't think the procedural generation works, I think it's a little lazy, I think the levels as a whole suffer from it, because they just have like hordes of enemies, and they don't really have uh, as good of an encounter, Like, it feels, like, more like you just get into open fields and you just, like, pick one off, pick one off, pick one off. Oh, look, they're all swarming me because they heard gunshots and they're just, like, it just turns into a mob too often. As opposed to Dark Souls' very carefully crafted enemy designs where you could lure them into specific areas and stuff like that because the designers, you know, had a static level that they were forced to actually think about how the enemies would behave in. Uh, As a rule, I prefer Dark Souls' method, but I can see why the multiplayer people would enjoy remnants, Remnants stuff. It is a major problem I had though. So yeah. Remnant from the Ashes, definitely a good game. Uh one of the better games that's come out recently. I would have to say that most definitely. It's A lot of fun. If you have people to play it with, I would definitely recommend it. And even not, I think it's a unique enough experience. You know, nobody had done Dark Souls as a third-person shooter before. And the shooting gameplay is really good. The boss design encounters are actually made for it. And I think things like the Moonlight Butterflies, oh, it's flying away, firing magic attacks at me, actually works in this context because everyone's expected to have a ranged weapon. You're not going to have a melee-only build. Just, you know, give up and have to wait for it to come nibble on some grass or whatever, like the Moonlight Butterfly did. Um, it allows for certain bosses that could not be done in the Souls games to be made. And I think it's worth, you know, experiencing as a world dive that. If you're a fan of Souls games or like some, you know, co-op bird person shooters, uh, it kind of reminds me of Warframe, actually. So if you like that, you might want to give this a try. So, yeah. Um, so that's the review. Uh, I know you guys aren't used to hearing me right here after this, but today we actually have something special. Um, I have a new website up and running. You can find it in the link in the description. It looks really nice. I got it set up. So I'm really liking that. Uh, we also have a, uh, buy me a coffee set up. So if you guys want to just like donate, you know, $2, say, hey, thanks, thanks for the content, that'd be great. Uh, you can also subscribe to the $3 a month membership and you can get access to our Discord community. Uh, the Dragons Library lounge. So, you know, the book club, go ahead and check that out. Thank you so much for everybody supporting me. We actually recently got over a hundred downloads. Um, I'm really excited about that. So, um, seriously, thank you to everyone who listens. So yeah, have a great night. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and thank you for listening to the Dragon's Library. Please subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library two. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.